Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for August has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. My guest this week is Michael Simmons, co-founder of FlexiBits, makers of Fantastical and Chatology. How's it going, Michael? It's going great, Brett. How are you doing? I am. I'm swell. It's like midday, so you know I'm not too tired. I'm not drunk. It's right. a good. It's a good day. Yeah, here in California, it's about eleven twenty a.m. So still in that boot up phase. Really, eleven twenty is boot up phase for you? <laughs> yep, indie life, baby. No, you know it's funny. I uh, as I'm getting older. I'm actually 42 now, and as I'm getting older, I find I'm waking up earlier. So I used to want to wake up, or I used to try to, you know, not set an alarm if I could until like 10 a.m., maybe 11, pushing it, which I know sounds ridiculous. But then I work really late. Yeah, I was going to say it's only ridiculous if you go to bed at 10 a- 10 p.m. Right, exactly. But now somehow my my body clock. I mean, I do a lot of traveling, as you know, and my body clock sort of wants to go to bed now around 11 or 12, and then I want to get up around like eight or nine now, which I'm always like, I don't want to get up at eight, but you know, I'm up and then I'm kind of thinking about things and trying to get them going. But yeah, so 11, maybe not the boot up phase, but certainly not, not midday for me. It's, it's post coffee pre, uh, pre awareness stage. Sounds, sounds, sounds semi accurate. All right. (laughs) So, so you guys, FlexiBits, uh, make fantastic Al, which is, it's, it's a staple in my day. Uh, both on my iPhone and on my desktop. What was the uh, when when Fantastical came out? It wasn't alone in the natural language uh, text uh, like date recognition, but it was one of the pioneers. What was yeah. the what was the real impetus for that? Yeah, so Fantastical started uh, initial ideas and concepts started in about 2010. We actually shipped our first release ever, which was of course Fantastical 1.0 for Mac, was shipped May 17, 2011. And what really was the impetus was, at that time, I decided I wanted to start my own indie dev business with a friend of mine, Kent Sutherland. And um, we were talking about ideas for apps, and I knew I wanted to do a calendar app because I used calendars. I had a lot of meetings, or at least enough at that time that I used it on a daily basis. And I was always frustrated by the pointing and, and, and clicking and all of that stuff. Now, Kent was actually finishing up university, and he had created a natural language processing engine, and or the natural language parsing engine, and um, it was really intelligent, didn't have a purpose. It could take an input and create an output, let's say. So my task, so to speak, was to come up with a good solution, a good problem to solve. And calendaring was that. As I said, I wanted to do a calendar app. He had his engine. It was like the stars aligned, and off we went. So Originally, when we first prototyped Fantastical, it was just going to be add an event. You know, this quick helper in your menu bar that lets you quickly add an event, nothing else. Literally, you couldn't see anything, no calendaring, nothing. Just add your event and then use iCal. And I didn't like it. I always felt like, okay, I'm entering this thing. Now I got to switch to iCal or I'm entering this thing. Now I have to go to iCal to look at my events. I wasn't finding that, and I'm sure you know this, a good app makes you use it or a good app reminds you to use it. It's, it's almost like muscle memory or friendly memory, as I say, where you want to go to it when you have the problem. And we just weren't getting that with the input only. So I started sketching and thinking about, well, we should have this, and we should have a calendar, and we should have a list, and off we went, and we developed what you saw as the first 1.0 of Fantastical. Which was, it was fantastic. Thank you, thank you. It's gotten even more fantastic since. Yeah, I mean, one of the things for me is I always design Fantastical for me. I always think about what I want in the app. I always think about where I'm still frustrated. Like we're obviously working on new stuff all the time and I'm sure you're going to ask me about it later. Um, and I'm sure I'm not going to tell you, but <laughs> we're, we're always adding things based upon pain points for us. And of course we do listen to our users. One of the things I always think is so important is we are creating an app for users. We are creating it for people to be more productive. So if they come to me and say, I need this feature. Sure, if only one person requests it, it's probably not something we'll add. But if we hear it from enough people and it makes sense and it really seems like a pain point where then we go, yeah, that actually is a good idea. Yeah, that actually would benefit. We certainly want to implement it because, again, it is an app that we want to help. We want, to, we want people to be helped by. Do you guys use forums for customer support? We don't. So um, in some of my past companies that I worked at, which include Cultured Code and Ambrosia and Apple itself, 
Um, I'm, I don't know if people are going to like this or hate this and I, I just have to stick with what my experience has been. I don't like forums for support. Um, that being said, there are times and places and products for it, but I believe for an app like a consumer calendar app, it creates more noise, work and distraction than it does help. And again, that's my personal belief and our support. One of the things that is important to just be clear, support is incredibly important to us. We have a response time, literally an average response time of hours. Um, Kent, myself, and someone who helps us out with support. So we technically have three people doing support. And again, Kent and myself do it because we want to be involved. We don't want to just hand it off to someone and be like, yeah, support is in our business. There's a few developers that I know of who actually don't do support. They kind of have shared this information with me. And I think it's actually a bad move. I think as an indie developer, especially, you want to see every day what's happening with your app, where the complaints are, where people aren't happy, because then you can address those complaints and you can make the app better and make the customer experience better, which of course makes a better product. Um, But just to quickly answer, go back to your question. I don't believe in forums because unfortunately you get the trolls and unfortunately you get the people that tie you up with discussions and use the public forum to almost make an example or get their way. And I find it completely, completely counterproductive. Okay, so I think I want to debate this just short uh, for a little sure. bit. Fine um, with me. Like for me, direct email support is a failure because I can't, I can't send a client uh, or a customer to a previous thread, people can't use my email history as a knowledge base. They can't search through all the other things people have said and all the responses I've given. And email gets lost from me, and then I'll lose track of a support thread. And if I don't have everything you know, sorted and flagged and risen to the top of my mailbox, or I'm not using like a, a, a Jira-style tracker, then I, there are times that I will accidentally just not continue a thread. So for me, I use Tender, and Tender lets me make conversations public. I have never had a problem with a troll. I've never had a problem with uh, anybody drowning anybody else out. It's simply given, like when you talk about this, uh, a feature that only one person requests, it's great for me to be able to say, well, you know, you're the only person who's ever requested it, and I don't see it being of mass use. Right. But I'll leave this post here, and if anyone else wants to climb on, they can. And then people who search the forums for this feature that they feel like the app should have find this post, and they pile on. And I'm fine with that because it gives me an idea how much support and in what areas it would be required. Yeah, sure. So is that is that to you not a forum, or is that just me succeeding because I have a smaller user base? So I definitely agree with you that some of the limitations of what I said about not having a forum, which you brought up, are correct, that you do lose the persistence of an answer. In fact, one could argue that a forum, cre- uh, you know, I said initially it makes more support and takes away time. I could certainly argue that it actually could help you because if the answer's out there, someone could self-service, right? And a lo- and for me, that's been the case many times now. Sure, sure. And I, I, I definitely know the benefits, but based upon my experience and even friends who have forums who have kind of vented to me and just, uh, to me what a forum is, okay, so for what you said in terms of tender, that's not a true forum in the sense where it's just like these these threads, you know, like a UBB or something like that. Um, to me, that's what I've traditionally considered a forum. You are correct in that ten, uh, you know, Tender is a forum in the sense that users can contribute and users can provide feedback. Um, but I still feel that the one-on-one customer service that you contact us, I mean, we make it very clear in the app how you get a hold of us. We make it very clear on our support page how you get a hold of us. We don't bury it. We don't do the, when you click contact us and then you submit a ticket, it's like, did you look here? We actually want to encourage people to contact us so we can actually have a discussion with them rather than them going away frustrated. Because the other flip side is there are users that don't want to look for an answer, so they go to the forum, or some people also with their support page say, you know, did you check the forum? And then they just give up because they didn't get an answer. They feel like they were ignored. Oh, yeah. There's a fine balance. So to answer your question, though, I don't think you're wrong. I think there are benefits. I also think the app that you have matters because we have such a we'll call it successful app of fantastic Cal have so many users and it's such a big, big app in the sense of all the CalDAV servers that we have to support and all the different configurations and the multi-platforms and so on and so forth. I just think for us, 
and we've been doing this now over three years, this direct one-to-one customer service really works. And we see it in our ratings and our reviews and our emails. Um, we receive emails, actually. This is like an awesome part of our philosophy, Brett, that people will say, just wanted to drop you a line and let you know that, you know, you'd help me with the problem. And, you know, I want to let you know how great it is. Like just emails that people are just contacting us to say thanks or thanks that, you know, you're always there. I know I can count on you or thanks for making a great app, whatever. Like that's the kind of stuff where, of course, there's the bad, but we love hearing the good. And we think we're onto something good because we hear good. Yeah, and I, I get it. That's great. I, I get the occasional thank you email and, and tender works through email. So one, once you file the ticket, you are getting one-on-one support from me. Yeah, exactly. I think the so, solution would be to have an email address that starts a Tinder conversation. And they could just, I could hand out that email address and say, if you need support, this is just email here. Yeah, and that's then true. have those conversations set to private by default. Yeah, yeah. that's true. No, no, it's, I, I certainly am listening to what you're saying. And I definitely have thought about it. We certainly aren't closed-minded to like, well, this is the, this is the only way. It's just for us... I, I have seen with consumer apps anyway, um, from, as I said, my past lives, a cultured code and Ambrosia, that the forums end up getting taken over by the people who want their features. And if you're not shipping them, they're really loud and they, they, they sort of bring down the tone. They, they negate the conversation. I don't know. It's just, it, there's a lot of negative energy. No, and I, I'm with you. The, the typical forum, if I right. go to a support site and it's a forum and I have yep. to pick a category and I have to, become a member, and then I have to lodge a, uh, a complaint after searching through all the title. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just walk away from that. I get right. that. Well, and you know the people going to forums are generally the people that have problems and want to complain, right? No one's going to a forum because they're happy. Someone's usually going there because they're upset. Right. That's not to say you can't take that and turn it around. In fact, I've, I just had this discussion the other day with a friend. Upset customers are actually kind of quote unquote the best customers because you can turn them around. If they're you upset, you can fix them and then they'll be your biggest cheerleaders because they're so happy that you made them happy. The customers but, you can't turn around are the app store reviewers who never bother to contact support. There you go. And those seem to be, in my experience, the people who gravitate to a forum like experience. I mean, so we have Twitter and Facebook. So let's let's go here. So we technically have a forum because we have Twitter and Facebook, right? Publicly people can say stuff. And we have those shades of what I talked about on Twitter. And, you know, 140 characters is obviously hard to troubleshoot someone. So there'll be a point where we'll say, hey, email us and we'll, we'll, we'll fix it, right? And they'll say, no, I want to stay on a public forum. And I kind of know why they want to stay on a public forum is because they want to make an example of us. And I know that's the troll behavior. I know it's very, it's not all users, it's very limited, but that's where I think then it starts to kill the, the positivity that you're trying to create in the sense of we're available, come talk with us. It's I want my way and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make an example of you to get my way. So it's just a fine balance. That's all. I, I am fortunate to have not run into that customer yet. Well, you are fortunate because it's, 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 it's both, I don't know, it's sort of like it's a downer, like it's emotionally a downer. And then also it's something where then you have to think about how you're going to do this. So, you know, people use emails against you or whatever. You've seen this public, I mean, maybe not oh, to yeah. you personally, but so we, we have to be very careful with whatever we say to a customer because especially if it's someone that seems like they're in this mode, you don't want to have it escalate. Absolutely. So yeah, I've, I've kind of been through the ringer and through the war fields and seen a lot of things in forums that now maybe make me a little gun shy. However, my first and foremost absolute mission is to provide the best customer service. And based upon what we're doing today, we're doing that. Can we improve it by using something like Tender? Absolutely. And you know, would I, would I look at it again? Sure. But I, I think if you're dedicated and you truly care and you really put a lot of um, focus on your customers through email, I think you can do it through email. Let me actually give a shout out to what we use for our email. It's called Cerberus, um, or it's also known as CERB, C-E-R-B. Um, we use them. A, a bunch of my friends use them. They're really great. So basically what they are is they're a ticketizer. This is what I call them. They don't call themselves this, but they ticketize emails. So... We have a form that goes to an email address. I mean, I guess you could say it's a form of tender. And sure, they actually have knowledge bases and other stuff like that. We just don't happen to use that. But you get a dashboard. You see your your emails that have come in. You can assign them to people. You can comment internally. You can you know close them, forward them, whatever. It's just it's basically a nice platform that lets you do collaboration and automation of your emails. Nice. I will check that out. They're really great guys, and actually, they, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they actually offer a free license to indie developers if you use their service and then give them at least one piece of feedback of something you liked or didn't like. So 
Wow. They're really, really great guys. Really great guys. I've had great support from them, great response to issues we have, and they just they have a great culture. You know, they they're they're definitely good guys. And they're out to help indie developers, which uh which is something that I think you you have done throughout your career. Would is I, that safe to say? I, I, I would I appreciate that. I, I I wouldn't say it was a mission, but I definitely like to help others. I I've always been told I'm a good teacher, and for me, if something happened to me, whether good or bad, I want to share it with someone else because people have shared their good and bad experiences with me, and that's helped me get better. And I think the more you can learn about a mistake and how it was fixed, or the more you can learn about how something was successful and how it worked out well, the more you share that with other people the better your life is because you've taken what you've learned and helped other people. And then hopefully they help you and everyone gets better because of it. There's been a recent, uh, a small rash of uh, articles that have gotten a lot of uh, attention on the internet about how indie developers just can't succeed in the app store anymore. Have you read these? Yeah, I have sure read them. And obviously there's been, these kind of happen in waves, right? Because I think there were a bunch, I mean, obviously I can't think of specific examples, but I know from memory, and I'm sure you do too, there's always these kind of articles, right? You know, a developer tries to do something, you know, is excited obviously and goes for it and then it doesn't succeed. And then they sort of write up their postmortem on what went wrong or what they perceive to go wrong, right? I mean, this, this, these sort of make the rounds every so often, I would say, but it seems like the most recent Rash, it's a good word that you used. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's been a bunch of them. Right. Well, and I, like you said, I think it's important to share what worked. I think it's also important to share failures so that other can learn, others can learn from it. Sure. But the, when the overall impression comes out being that it's hopeless, yep. I feel like I, like I want to share my stories. Because maybe my measure of success is different than another developer's. Right. But I feel like just about everything that I've tried has been successful by my measure. That's it. So there's the, let me just, I have to interrupt on this one because there it is. So part of these articles that I've read, and obviously there's a bunch of them, so I don't have to specifically target anyone. And there are some really good ones as well. So again, this isn't directed at anyone, but maybe they overshot at their expectations of what they thought they would get out of it, right? Like, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And there's some of these articles that gave numbers and talked about how much they made for this quote-unquote app, or niche app, I used quote-unquote, because niche, again, is expectations, right? Right. A a, a niche app, someone could say, oh, I have 30,000 users and think that's a niche just because there's millions and millions of iPhone users. That's not a niche if if that's what you were targeting or if you were only targeting 5,000 users, right? So I think what you just said was critical, that it's what your expectations were. And maybe all of this, all of the words and all of the frustrations and all of the things that went into these blog posts, maybe it was just insane or unreasonable expectations. I guess, like, you can... You can look at your target audience and, and measure uh, saturation rate that you want to achieve. Or you can look at the hours you put into an app and say, this is how much I need to make it profitable. Right. And I think those are actually two different measures. If you want to be profitable and your target audience isn't big enough, it, you, you will fail. It's, it's automatic. That's right. I suppose. I never realized how many Markdown users there were in the world, so my expectations were greatly exceeded. Yeah, well, you know, another thing is I think there's some indie developers who see, it's just like in any industry, you know, I always tend to think, uh, because there's been times where I get frustrated, I'm like, I want to get out of my industry, there's too many people complaining, and there's too many people doing this and doing that, and I don't know, it's, it's obviously also easy to look for, you know, negative if you're looking for negative, but I think obviously this is the world, right? In every industry, whether it's sports or medicine or uh, you know whatever, there's always these these people who who aren't successful. Which that's how it goes, right? Everyone can't be successful. It's exactly what you were saying earlier. Like only certain people are going to be successful, and only certain people are going to be successful based upon their expectations. And what I think really about all of these blog posts is it's great that everyone's sharing the information. I hope when people read it, they get the information out of it, not that you can't succeed. That's the part about these articles that, and I think you'll agree with me, is sort of the unfortunate part is that it almost sounds like doom and gloom and like it's impossible to succeed. And I think once you say it's impossible to succeed, it's impossible to succeed. 
I think everyone can be successful, though. I think, Absolutely. I think That's it's the a point. Su- it's a supply and demand issue because if there's not if there say there are five apps that that accomplish the same thing, and there's a huge demand for that type of app. Every one of those developers can meet that saturation point. They all exactly. get one fifth of that market. Absolutely. Well, and then if you entered a market that you know is not that big of a market, let's say like you have a markdown editor, right? It, it, there's a market for certain. I mean, someone could argue, well, you know, how many copies of a developer tool could someone sell? Well, look at the developer tools apps. There's somewhere, there's a lot, right? It just depends on how good of a tool you make, how critical it is, how, how priced, how, how well priced it is or not. I mean, obviously, as you know, there's a lot of, ingredients to this. But what I'm getting at is, is that if you actually have an app that meets this criteria, whether it be a niche market or a non-niche market or whatever, if you set your expectations properly, you'll be successful if you put all the ingredients in. Agreed. If you set your expectations that, you know, you want to build the next Apple and you made a, an app that, that did, uh, I don't, I don't know. I want to think of something niche without putting someone down. We'll just say something super niche, truly niche then you're probably not going in the right direction. Or maybe you'll have the niche app, and then you'll do another niche app, and then you'll do a more mainstream app, and then you'll do... I mean, when we did Fantastical, I'll bring myself into this. When we did Fantastical, I didn't set out to say, well, I'm going to do a calendar app because everyone uses calendars, and then I'm going to have a huge app. I said, what problem bothers me? Sure. Tur- turns out a lot of people use calendars, right? But <laughs> I-, I always have people asking me, well, you know, how do you get so successful? Or how do you do this? Or, you know, I've spoken at conferences in the past. It's been a while now that I've spoken at a conference. But the, the biggest question I get is, you know, how do you get so successful? And the answer is, I've never actually chased success. In my plans, in my design, even when I'm thinking of what we're doing for Flexibits or my other companies, um, I don't think about how can we make all this money or how can we have this many users or how can we get these awards? Or I never even see that, Brett, ever. I think about, What's the problem that I have? How can I solve it? How can I make the UI really fun and friendly and familiar? How can I make it frictionless? And so on and so forth. I focus on what I want to do. But it's, and- not, but it's not just you. I got to call shenanigans on that. Because when you're doing that, when you're focusing on the UI, right? you are thinking, I guarantee you are thinking about how are other people going to use this. And you're trying to well, make sure, something sure, humane for everyone. Absolutely. No, what I mean is for me is that Part of the user experience for me is that if I find something that's, I, I know iOS, I know user interfaces very well. So if I find something that's obviously a problem, other people are too. Now, obviously, we do beta testing and other testing. So yes, I do listen to other people. But first and foremost, the initial seed where we go down the path of this is what we're doing, I really just put myself in the seat of the user and think of myself as the user. It, of course, builds out from there. But no, I, I'm very focused on myself as the user. It may sound crazy to you, and maybe, I, maybe I'm unorthodox in doing that, but I really stay very focused on myself. Now, of course, I'm working with Kent, and I'm working with a designer whose name's Wolfgang Bartleney, and I'm working with family that I show it to and things like that. So yeah, I'm not just in a vacuum doing it, but the initial ideas and the initial direction, I think about what would I do, what would I like, how would this work for me? I, and I have no problem with that. All I right, just, awesome. Uh, the the idea of uh, of putting yourself in another user's shoes when you're designing a feature, it, it's it's a step towards success. It's if you designed everything just the way your brain wanted to you're use correct. it, you you would uh, you would fail in at least you know twenty percent of the population. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably have no settings in the app at all, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, no no uh, you know only showing today or something like this. You're correct. You're correct. But I, I guess the point what I was trying to make was is just I think it's really important to focus on what problem you're trying to solve and what you want the end result to be. Then how can I be rich or successful or have a, a success instead of a failure or whatever? Um, I think a lot of these posts also kind of point out what they were going for. Like I expected to make this much. I expected to do this. And I think that's the wrong way about going to build an app. If you want to start a business and get VC and, and have a true business plan, that's a different story. But what I've learned being an indie developer and, and what other indie developer friends of mine seem to adhere to is you just make really good apps and you try to do the best you can to spread the word. And if they're, if they're good, they'll take off, right? Absolutely. I do want to mention before I cut to a sponsor that you are also the brains. Uh, well, okay, a co-founder <laughs> of one of the one of the best uh, systems for beta testing, iOS and I believe OS ten as well. Uh, Hockey app. 
Yeah, that's right. And actually, the the big feature that we have, and we're really proud of this, is not only do we do iOS, of course, iPhone and iPad, but we also do OS X, as you said, and we also do Android and Windows Phone. So wow. our our platform is really unique in the sense that you sign up, you have our SDK, and you get your distribution feedback, crash reports, and analytics on iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and OS X. I'm signing up. I never have before because... I didn't think it was available for OS ten, and I do most of my development on Mac. I'm signing up though because it, the, just getting the crash reports alone would be a huge deal. All right, well, since you did that unprompted, uh, we'll talk after the show. I'll hook you up with a bit of a discount. <laughs> oh, you're a sweet guy. Got to do it. Got to like I said, got to take care of your friends, right? <laughs> All right. Our uh, our first sponsor today is Sifter an incredibly simple issue tracking tool designed to make bug and issue tracking accessible to non-technical team members and clients. Their philosophy is that participation is a killer feature and that making it easy for non-technical team members to be actively involved in bug and issue tracking helps create better software. It integrates with Beanstalk, GitHub, and in the very near future, Bitbucket. They don't make you pay by the seat, so you never have to upgrade just to add a client or a team member for a week or two of testing. Uh, if you visit 5x5.sifter.me for an extended trial, uh, and you can thank them for supporting 5x5 and Systematic. I didn't even realize that was a sponsor today when we were talking about issue trackers. Well, there you go. Another one to check out. Yeah, definitely. I made a note of that. So uh, so you have um, an interest in, well, quite a few things, but among them would be Tesla. Oh, here we go. Yes. Tell me, tell me what is your, what is your uh, fascination with Tesla? The, the craziest part about the story with Tesla is when Tesla first kind of came into the media, this is like Roadster days or even pre-Roadster, I read articles about them. I thought it was very interesting. I definitely followed what they did. Uh, there's a lot of drama in the beginning. I don't know if you remember this, but in the beginning, there were a lot of firings and lawsuits and um, issues where uh, companies they worked with uh, stole their designs, and just there was a lot of drama in the beginning. Um, and I think there was probably a lot of drama because. Uh, so one of my one of my absolute I, I don't want to call him an idol, but one of my absolute one of the absolute people that I admire the most is Elon Musk. And I get the vibe that I mean, not only is he an amazing engineer and he's doing all these things and he's actually executing, but I get the vibe that he 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 definitely doesn't put up with BS. And I don't know if, if this has an explicit tag or not, so I'm going to keep it semi-clean. Yeah, we're, but, we're G, PG-13. All right, so, so I think BS is acceptable, right? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, he doesn't put up with BS. He's probably, and I don't want to say a lot like me because I'm sure I'm nothing like him, but he's no nonsense. And I think you know when you're starting up a company and you have people who are nonsense and doing business as usual and trying to sue you or trying to get in your way or trying to do, well, you know, I own more shares or whatever they do, the typical business nonsense he's not going to put up with it or otherwise he's not going to get his mission fulfilled. So once I started to see all that, um, once I started to see his, his, his attitude and, and, and kind of how he fought for things, it definitely piqued my interest. I'm like, wow, this guy's great. Most people would be like, wow, look at all of this uh, commotion and all of this controversy. But to me, that me, that meant to me that he really wants to succeed. And anyway, then I started to look at them a little bit more Then the model S was announced. And I thought it was really cool, insanely expensive. Um, for what I, so I've always kind of had this philosophy that I'd never spend more than like, I don't know. I always said, even when I get rich or if I get older and I get wealthy or, uh, I guess not that I'm rich, but if I ever have the means, I would never spend more than 50,000 on a car. It's a car. And, um, I don't know. I always, I always had this philosophy. And even when I saw the Tesla Model S, I think originally it came out at like 60,000, but like fully loaded, it was like 90 or a hundred. Um, I, I, I never really had an interest in, in the Tesla Model S. I thought it was cool. I thought he was solving a cool problem. The car looked interesting. I thought the touchscreen was great, but I was just like, okay, this is kind of neat, but I would never go near this, right? This isn't something I'd be interested in. I love cars. Just so you know, I'm I could talk cars all day long. Cars are one of my favorite topics. I could tell you anything and everything about every car. I'm one of these guys that can identify a car on the street in a half a second. I could probably tell you the specs and the engine. I love automobiles. I always you would get have. along well with my wife. Okay, let's do it. We should have a <laughs> podcast with her. <laughs> this is like a, uh, I really could. I could talk about cars forever. And it's kind of interesting because I, I, when I was younger, I always thought of, said, I want to get into the car industry. Like when I was a little boy, I don't know why. It's just something I wanted to do. And obviously I never went down that path, but 
What's interesting is when Tesla initially came out, I didn't go, oh my gosh, I have to get involved with these guys or I have to get one. I just thought it was interesting. So fast forward to a couple of years ago and a friend of mine, Dave Nanian, who you may know of super duper fame, uh, had a Model S and he told me how much I had to get one. And he told me that until I drove it, I wouldn't get it and you know understand it and uh, forced me to meet with him. I was actually going to Boston to meet with Kent because my business partner actually lives in Boston. I'm here in this San Francisco Bay Area, but he's in Boston. And uh, Dave more or less forced that I had to drive in his car or drive his car, better yet. Well, he met me at the airport, picked me up and told me I could drive. And uh, since then, I have been obsessing, obsessing over the Model S. So it really is one of these things that until you drive it, you can't comprehend how different it is. Now, that being said, that's just obviously how cool the product is. I also think the company itself is just incredible. Uh, I guess in full disclosure, I own a, a, a bunch of stock in the company. I got in earlier because oh, I, that's I, yeah, I believed in them. And as you can see, the stock's been climbing and hopefully other people believe in them as well because I really think they are, I would dare say, the most important company in the last 50 to 100 years, even more important than Apple. Like, So Apple, okay, they make computers, and sure, Apple has done some incredible thing, and obviously I devote my whole life to building apps for that platform, and I love Apple, I've worked at Apple, I support Apple, but computers, they definitely pushed computers to a level where the, where the consumers and the public and became, became a, a global thing, became a, a thing that everyone uses. And I'm not undermining that, but Tesla's mission to really not only build this car, this new car, but change the automotive industry, change the gasoline industry, change the whole idea of what cars should be when no one's done this, no one's been able to even roughly break through, is to me amazing. And that's, that right there is what I love about Elon Musk, is he's not just a genius and he's not just a good businessman. He is, his goal is very humanitarian. Absolutely. He, he, everything he does, he strives to bring it to the public sector to raise all ships. Exactly. Look at SpaceX. So this is a guy who, first of all, he founded PayPal, right? So how to change payments in the banking industry and obviously did an incredible job, sold it to eBay, made a ton of money and off he went. But he's also involved in SpaceX. He's involved in Solar City. He clearly, first of all, I think it's amazing that he runs all of these companies and does what he does. That, that to me shows how much he cares about the problem. You can't work this much or have this much success unless you truly love what you do, right? It helps to be freaking brilliant, but yeah. Exactly. Well, brilliance takes you, we'll say, halfway and passion takes you the rest, right? Passion look, is everything. Look at, the, look at the original Tesla, Nikolai. He was exactly. brilliant, but he didn't have exactly. what Musk has. Right. Well, it's, it, he's brilliant. Unfortunately, he wasn't, I, I guess I could maybe, I shouldn't speak for him and say he wasn't passionate, but clearly he was too focused on his, his inventions and his things that he developed to, to not like push it out there, right? It's no, the business, biz, business acumen, yeah. Exactly, perfectly said. So um, back to Tesla, you know, they really, I, I mean it, I think they're the most important company that I can see in the last 50 to 100 years because they're, ch- first of all, like the automotive industry, you've seen these lawsuits they've had in states saying that they can't sell their cars because they don't have dealerships. right. So this is because you have this good old boys network of dealerships that obviously give kickbacks to politicians and obviously cause car prices to be higher. And the consumer, uh, shall we say, intelligence of cars, you know, the whole experience of buying a car um, controlled by this dealer network. Right. Right. It, It shows that that dealers control the automotive industry, at least the sales of automotive of of automobiles and Tesla decided, no, we're going to sell them ourselves because A, we want our employees who are trained, who can truly answer the questions. And if they can't, they'll ask us to represent the car. B, we don't want to pay an additional middleman fee to the dealer and then the salesperson, which then increases the cost of the car. Although some cynical people will say, well, then that just means more money for them, but whatever. But I, I actually think it's more of Number what I said initially, which is that they don't want to have to increase the cost of the car by having the middleman and the salesperson. And number three, it allows them to have more flexibility because you can now order cars online. You're buying direct from the manufacturer. Right. So Tesla alone in that battle is shaking up and completely knocking the automotive industry on its on its backside. In fact, there's been these states recently that Tesla's won in. They can now sell cars in those states, which I thought it was ludicrous that they literally were 
banned from selling cars. Like, could you imagine in 2014, a company comes along, has a product, we're supposed to be a, you know, a nation of, of capitalism, right? And free enterprise. And they want to sell a product and they can't because there's some stupid old legislation that says that cars must be sold through dealers. What? Yeah. No, I, 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 get, the, uh, I get the ridiculousness of it all. Absolutely. So you take Tesla and you take the fact that they're actually fighting these battles, these stupid battles to be successful and winning. I'm just I am. I'm really blown away by what they've been able to do. Well, and Musk, again, he he, he steps into a situation like that and just says no. He, he's he's the guy who who doesn't figure out how to work within the system. He looks at the system and he says, no. We can, we can go to Mars. We can sell cars wherever we want to. We can change the automotive industry. We can change the payment industry online. He just says no. And I appreciate that. I greatly appreciate that. Yeah, and I think the most successful people from my experience do that. They set out to do what they want to do. They don't listen to the naysayers. I mean, not to pat myself on the back, but remember I mentioned earlier about the forums trying to avoid the people who get you into confrontations and make you lose your focus of what you want to do? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of am very, I get a lot of adversity. I get a lot of, no, you can't. In fact, when I was designing Fantastic Hell, this will actually make you laugh. My wife said it wouldn't be successful. <laughs> she's, she's like, well, I don't get it. Cause you know, at that time it was iCal, right? And people were kind of just using iCal. Well, you know, I use iCal. Like, think about it. That's generally how people react to something new, right? I already kind of have, people don't like change. I have what I have. And she was, she, she didn't get it. She's like, I, I you know, she's like, I, I think it's okay, but I don't think it's going to be that big. It's a ballsy move to uh, to continue in the face of disapproval from one spouse. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but if you have a vision and you, you think something's good enough, you go with it, right? Now, obviously, you know, my spouse example is personal, but Elon Musk is fighting these battles on stupid government levels. This isn't just you make a car and you're successful. And obviously, they've knocked it out of the park. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the numbers of cars they're selling, and I'm sure you've seen their yep. success levels. And again, this is a car that's seventy dollars to $120,000, depending on how configured. And then they open sourced it. And then they open sourced it. So yeah, let's definitely talk about that because that just that that makes me want to literally go work at Tesla. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, be, I've actually I, had this dream that like my, my dream is that somehow Elon Musk finds out about Fantastical and acquires <laughs> us so we could be the calendar app and we can develop apps for the screen. Make it happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll phone in some uh, some favors. All right, I appreciate it. That yeah. The idea of taking a successful model of electric car and saying, hey, everybody, here's how you can make an electric car that will succeed and, and just offering that to people. It, it, it's, it, you might, from an old school perspective, you might think that is bad business. We keep, very, we keep patents on everything. Everything's proprietary. We don't share. If we succeed, it means we win. But That's when right. you're in it to change an industry, you can still win and change the industry. You can be the leader of, you can be the vanguard party for a whole new era. Absolutely. And what Tesla's doing is they're actually putting their money where their mouth is because what they're saying is, hey, we want this industry to succeed. Hey, no one's doing anything in this industry. Well, let's, let's, let's do a catalyst, right? Let's actually give away what we've come up with and see if someone can make it better. I actually can't think think of anything more capitalist than that. Exactly. In fact, capitalism is not being fearful of your competition, but encouraging them to grow the market so you can grow the market, right? Capitalism is competition. That's what it is. Exactly. Did you ever read the the oatmeal cartoon about the Tesla Model S? Oh, yeah. I love it. he, he, He names it the intergalactic space boat of light and wonder. That's exactly right. And I love how much he loved it that... He did that Tesla Museum project, of course, yeah. and then he asked Elon Musk if Elon Musk would help him uh, fund the museum because apparently, I don't know if you know that um, the, the museum didn't have enough money to build the museum. Like they won the land, but then they couldn't build the museum. I donated so, to it. Yeah, well, Elon Musk actually tweeted that he'd be happy to help. He's going to build a supercharger station in the parking lot of the museum, and he's actually donating one million dollars to the museum itself. That's so awesome. That's so, so awesome. Totally awesome. Yeah, and it's, it shows you that Elon Musk really is a guy who is not some you know, businessman and only looking to grow the company at any cost. He truly loves what he's doing. He truly loves who he's making his products for. Well, yeah, and, and that's part of being it. a good businessman is understanding those things, I think. Exactly. 
All right. Well, at the end of the day, if I make, let's say I make Flexivits and I create all these great apps and I really don't care about my customers. I'm just like, I just want to make a lot of money. I don't even care about these. All right? I just, I mean, that will catch up to you eventually. If you truly care about your customers and love your customers and actually are part of how your customers are, then your customers will always support you and you'll always support them and everyone wins. Amen. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about Squarespace for a second. All right. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code Brett sent me. That's right, I got my own offer code, Brett sent me. Uh, there's two T's, B-R-E-T-T, sent me. Uh, Squarespace constantly updates their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. And they have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Everything is drag and drop, so it's easy to add content from your desktop and even rearrange elements of content within a page. Squarespace makes sure your site automatically looks great on any device because every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. You can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more web and social services. Squarespace has e-commerce on their platform, so if you want to set up shop and sell things, you can in just a few minutes. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, over 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer care team. It's located in New York City and Dublin, and they're available 24-7 for live chat and email support. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free with no credit card, and if you decide to purchase, plans start at just $8 a month, including a domain name if you sign up for a year. So make sure you get 10% off and support the show by using the offer code BRETTSENTME. And uh, thanks to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Systematic. That brings us to the top three picks. You're supposed to do a drum roll or something? Yeah, I'll I'll edit it in in post. Oh, awesome. Okay, so my first pick, do do we say I'm allowed to pick Tesla Model S as a pick? We did say that. All right, I just want to make sure. So yeah, Tesla Model S, absolutely number zero, although I guess it's one, or otherwise I have zero, one, two, whatever. Model S, absolute most coveted, top pick, dying to get one. And uh, Should I say anything else about it? So I didn't finish my Dave Nanian story. Can I finish that? Your what story? My Dave Nanian picked me up at the airport in his Tesla Model S and let me drive it story. Finish away. So he picks me up in the airport, lets me drive it. I am literally smitten, literally figuring out how am I going to spend this much money on a car? Because if you remember originally, I said when I was younger and as I grew up, I always kind of said, don't spend more than this on a car. It's just stupid, right? But as time went by, uh, from that from that event that I think happened about a year and a half ago when he picked me up in his car to now, I've been saving. I've been specifically, I have a Tesla Model S fund, right? Trying to save <laughs> to get this to happen. Um, so I'm I'm happy to announce that I will be getting one in the next six months. So- that being said, uh, Dave Nanian takes full blame for me getting this car. I take full blame for driving his car. I never should have. And uh, as my wife put it, uh, she backs the decision because she said, you're not spending 100K or whatever it is on a car. This is what you want. So it's a big, it's, it's, I kind of, it's funny for my wife to endorse this. I kind of, I kind of really have to go with it, but it's true. It's like, I, I'm not just saying, oh, there's this car I like or whatever. I want the Tesla Model S. I want to support Tesla. I want to be driving in this thing that I know is changing or is attempting to change the automotive industry. I want to, in essence, not just buy a Tesla Model S. I want in on what the company is selling and support them. So I think all around, it's it's much more than just buying a car. I Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Even it, if that's a lie, can you please agree with me so it feels better? I totally, I, I honestly do agree with you. And if I had the means... If I if I if my savings could amount to enough to buy that car, yep. I would I would race you down the street in one. All right, good. Well, hopefully whenever you're in the San Francisco Bay Area next time and I have mine, I will take you down the street in one. Oh, that would be awesome. So that's number one, Tesla Model S without a doubt. Um, for those of you who are listening who have never heard of it, which I can't believe there's not one person, I can't believe it would be one person that hasn't heard of it, it is a zero emissions electric car that is 100% electric, um, incredible design, a, a full 17 inch touchscreen in the middle of the car that runs everything. Um, three versions of the car. There's a 60 kilowatt battery, which does zero to 60 in 5.9 seconds silently, an 80 kilowatt battery, 85 kilowatt battery, which does 
zero to 60 in 5.4 seconds, an incredible P8585 kilowatt performance battery, which does zero to 60 in 4.2, although that's Tesla's like conservative amount. It really does it more like 3.9, which is insane. Yeah, and, and according to the oatmeal, it sounds like a spaceship. Yeah, and it does. It's picture, you know, those roller coasters. I don't know if you've been on any of those linear induction roller coasters where you just sit there and at a stop and then you just get to like 100 miles an hour or whatever it is. And like, yeah, it's like that in a car and you're controlling the pedal. That's um, that's very, very intriguing to me. You you should or I might say should not go to your local Tesla store and test drive one. (laughs) And I, I really mean that disclaimer. You really should or should not. Depending on what 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 kind of driver you are. That's right. Well, depending on the fact that you'll probably then start looking to buy one like I did. Ah. So basically stay away from it unless you really want to have a problem. <laughs> do cops do are cops at all lenient about people test driving cars going too fast? I don't know, but um I actually had taken a test drive once where I went insanely too fast because I didn't realize it was gonna go that fast. And luckily there was no police officer around, but I'm glad there wasn't. Although here's a great story. Um, I actually was visiting uh, some friends and also a client of mine in Germany, and I actually took a Tesla Model S on the Autobahn, which was amazing. That would be, wow. It was amazing. Yeah, I have, uh, I have a good photo to keep that memory going. But yeah, that was, that was definitely a, a, a memory I'm really happy about. This will never happen, but <laughs> if you get your car and you happen to be driving in southeastern Minnesota— Mm-hmm. I have some places you would enjoy. I'm talking okay. winding two-lane uphill roads that with the right car at night, brights on, it is a thrilling ride. All right. Like well, I, I, technically so- you shouldn't go some of these curves are like 35 miles per hour, but you hit them at 50 in a good car that can handle it. Yep. Oh, it's a blast. All right, I will make a note if I'm ever in your neck of the woods, I will hit you up for these roads. When was the last time you were in the upper Midwest? Uh, has it been a while? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, I think the last time I was in the upper Midwest, well, I went through, uh, Chicago doesn't count as upper Midwest. Uh, yeah, no, I, I count Chicago. Chicago's only What about, about Omaha? Uh, well, Chicago's closer than Omaha. All right, well, I just passed through Chicago like a week or so ago, but that was passing through. Chicago's like, uh, I think, a four-hour drive for me. All right, that's reasonable. Omaha, yes. Omaha is like a teleport. You have to like go through black holes to get there. Exactly, but I, I will, uh, I will hit you up next time I'm in your area. If, if, if I happen to have a Model S and be in your area, hey, you can hit me up anytime. Model S All or right. no? Thanks, dude. Likewise, likewise. All right, so that's number one. I could, I could definitely go on about Tesla Model S for hours. So I read, I read the wrong one earlier because my notes were frozen. Yeah. So I totally, I, I'm just gonna edit out what I said before. Okay, because it it was like a it's like a Tourette's thing. Okay, you just like set it out of nowhere. I did. What I want to pick for number one is uh, AeroPress timer, which is I know that my wife's a big AeroPress fan. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's it's a new version that's out now, and the app is free, and you can buy packs for it, uh, packs of different recipes, and basically you pick your your recipe that you want to try or you know whatever your favorite is and you start a recipe and it tells you it times out like now you're pouring and then now you are stirring and now you're steeping and then you walk away and it lets you know when it's time to to plunge your aeropress and it'll give you just instructions before you start on how many how you know how many grams of coffee it it uses scoops and it uses shots uh scoop being about 14 grams of coffee and a shot being one marker on your AeroPress. Um, so it doesn't get overly precise with it, but the timer is just, it's really handy when you want to make that perfect cup using a recipe you're not used to and have, you know, guidance. I, I've really, I'm really enjoying this app. Excellent. How much does it cost? Like I said, it's free. I think the packs are, I think like a buck 99 to buy a pack of like six recipes. Well, that's very reasonable, especially if you're drinking coffee every day. Yeah, and most people who own an AeroPress are probably drinking coffee every day. Agreed. I should link the AeroPress, too, just in case someone has no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) Might as well. All right, so what's your number two? My number two is MyFitnessPal. 
Uh, my fitness pal, if you haven't heard of, I'm sure you've heard of it, right? Oh yes. They are amazing. I've been using them. I don't even know how long I've been using them years, at least two to three years. Um, I, I don't know how they do free. My guess is, is now they've started to up the, you know, uh, affiliates and this app works with this hardware and all this stuff. I'm sure they get cuts for things they link into and they have some ads on their website, but their app is awesome. They just had an upgrade actually yesterday that changed the UI, which I had a lot of UI complaints and the upgrade yesterday changed all of these app uh, UI complaints. So bravo to them. Um, well, my fitness pal does it lets you track your calories and it'll let you track your steps. They actually take advantage of the iPhone 5S's M7 processor, which is awesome. And that's it. You know, I wake up, what I eat, put it in, keep track of my calories, know how good I'm doing. Obviously, if there's certain days where I want to indulge and I have a lot of those days, I do. I might be over, but at least I know how much I go over and I could truly be accountable for what I'm eating or not eating. And the way the app is done, the way it calculates it, the way it gives you some gamification type things to encourage you. I love it. If if I shouldn't say this because it'll start, but I would. If they started charging tomorrow, I'd pay for it hands down because they've been fantastic. They have a great app, and I really appreciate how great of a service they have. So, so it's free right now. It's completely free, and it's uh, it's a website. So it's a website, an iPhone app, and an iPad app, oh, native wow. apps. Yeah. So uh, go to myfitnesspal.com. I'm sure you'll have the link in the show notes. I uh, sign up for a free account. You get the apps. Actually, looking at their apps page, um, let me see if I could find this really quick. Okay, so I see. So these are like third-party apps. So that's interesting. So I went to they have like an apps page, and then they link. So they have their they have their My Fitness Pal stuff integrated in with other apps. Since they're a calorie tracker, you know, if you have another type of uh, hardware device or something that you use to track steps or heart rate or things like that, they're integrated in with those apps as well. So that makes it even more um, nice as a system. Nice. I uh, it was episode eighty eight with uh, David McDonald that I first heard about this, and uh, he lost a lot of weight, and he credited my fitness pal with a lot of his uh, his success. Definitely, I I've been doing really. I don't have a ton of weight to lose. There's actually, I'd like to lose like another fifteen to twenty pounds just because I'd like to be more optimal and in you know good healthy shape, so to speak, but. I've lost weight on it for sure. I'm looking at my tracker right now and I've lost weight and um, it keeps, it keeps track of my streak. Like it tells you a streak of how often you've been entering and I've been entering it like every day for the last, I mean, I, I, I rely on this app daily. Nice. Yeah, right. I highly, highly recommend it. Maybe, maybe two glowing recommendations will be enough to get me to go check it out. All right, please do. I hope you do. I just got a, a tweet from a movie producer who says I have to make my app work with Google Docs. Okay. What, what, what movie is it? And will he put you in it? That's a good question. Let's see. I'm going to be your manager now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway. Um, let's, All right, what's your number two? My number two is actually Fantastical. What? Nice. Thanks. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it is, it's a staple for me. I, it's, it's in my menu bar when I first wake up in the morning. It's there every time I need to add or edit uh, an appointment. When I go to the doctor's office, I pop out my phone, and by the time they have given me my next appointment, I, you know, I've already typed in my doctor's name on, and then they give me an appointment, and I just type like, you know, September five, two p.m. Hit enter, appointment scheduled, done. I can leave. I love it. Nice. I'm. 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 I'm, I'm speechless. Oh, and I can. And I can. While I'm at the doctor's office, just tap on. You know, skip over to September. Tap on that week and see what my conflicts are, so I can tell them. It's. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There are a lot of things. If you're good at using, iCal or calendars, sure, you, you can do this stuff. But Fantastical makes it just so easy, and the natural language for me is way easier than hitting multiple fields. Yeah, that's that, that was the whole impetus of how fantastic how came to be as I said is you know, I, I couldn't the, the whole clicking around and you know, a cl- clicking arrows up and down and tabbing and this and that and then having to go here. I mean, it was so many steps and it was like if we could make this where you can add an event in a few seconds or less, literally, we've solved the problem. And you know, you were saying earlier like at the time when we came out there were still apps you know, when we actually first came out with Fantastical, there were no other apps that did natural language parsing. And if you actually track it back, it's interesting. Siri didn't exist. None of these like talk to dictate things existed. I'm not saying we were the first, but 
at that time, there was really nothing else. After we shipped, there was another app that did do some calendar adding stuff. Quick Cal. Um, Quick Cal, exactly. And we were completely unaware of it when we made it. And, you know, we didn't know about it until after it came out. And actually, their approach was to just add events. They didn't have any calendar right. editing or anything like that. So it's kind of interesting. We found out about it because after we came out, someone had said, oh, you ripped this from QuickCal. We're like, we didn't even know about it. Yeah, well, and I think the reason that you kind of came out on top of that particular um, competition would be that you went full-featured. Yeah, and that's what was bite, like biting at me when we were doing the development is we had what was equal to QuickCal – and as I used it, I was always like, why do I have to keep switching back to iCal? This feels like something I wouldn't even get into the habit of using. I'm like, I want to have everything in a glance. And the reason why we did a menu bar app versus a full app was it's supposed to be a quick thing. Quick keyboard shortcut or quick click and you're in and you're out and it's out of your way. And you can still keep working or keep browsing your page or doing your email or whatever. And it's not in your way. Um, of course, everyone's clamoring for a full screen, full window, you know, calendar replacement. Um, which may or may not happen as we don't discuss future development plans, but I personally like the menu bar quick, open, and close. So what's next? Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to that at the end. We'll see. <laughs> good, good, good attempt, though, man. What's, uh, what's your third pick? So my third pick is kind of an interesting one, but it's American Airlines. Um, you know, I, as you know well, I do a lot of flying on business. I advise companies, and I'm just kind of always on the road. American Airlines has always been my airline. They've always obviously gotten me back and forth very safely and with, with good service. And I, I love them as a product because actually American Airlines is one of the few, at least domestic carriers, because obviously I'm not too familiar with the international carriers, but that makes technology a mission. Um, they've always had things like plugs in the seat to charge your equipment. They were the, what, what, like literally one of the first, I, I should always say one of, cause you know, someone will then say, well, they weren't the first, but to have Wi-Fi, they're very up on technology. Their app has always been excellent. Um, the way they allow you to search for flights, just everything about American airlines technology wise has been incredible. And, um, I actually, I actually beta test their app. I was lucky enough to get it on their beta test and the team creating the app really cares about things. They're taking advantage of the iOS technologies like Passbook and other stuff before other people were. They're doing things with iBeacons as far as I know and, and other stuff. And they're just, they're really up on this technology stuff. Um, I think another airline announced iBeacons. Maybe I'm getting them confused. But anyway, the point is, is they've always been really good. And one of the things about airlines is that, you know, American Airlines recently merged with U.S. Airways. And there's been a lot of mergers. And I, I hear this a lot from friends and also people on the road. But at the end of the day, you want to fly somewhere. And you hopefully want to get there without a connection. Or if there's a connection, only one, not two. And the more that these companies consolidate, and the more you can get routes on a specific airline or hopefully an airline that offers a good price, the better. There's been some talk about, like, if there were more airlines, there'd be more competition. But I disagree because – more airlines don't necessarily have all the same routes. There's limited numbers of routes. So if you have, let's say, three big airlines all competing and they all have the same routes, they're not all going to charge the same price, right? Someone's going to have to do something to get your attention and the others are going to have to follow, right? right? So, But in my experience, the reason why I picked American Airlines is they've always flown me back and forth safely. They've always been good to me and they've always led the way with technology and they're a great, great user experience. So that's my number three, if, if, if you think that's acceptable. I do think it's acceptable. I, I fly Delta because that's where most of my points are. There you go. And I bet it's because they're probably convenient to you for the routes that you've flown, right? Ma yeah, Minneapolis is a Delta hub. So anywhere I want to go, Delta is 90% of the time going to be the one place I can get a direct flight from. There you go. And I have, I have airlines that I will not fly on. Me uh, too. Spirit, Me too. Spirit. Um, <clears throat> I understand. <clears throat> <laughs> I, uh, I, I just Delta the has nickel and diming, right? The nickel and diming. Yeah. Well, and customer service is abysmal. Right. But here's the whole thing, and this is the part that always drives me nuts. People want cheap air tickets, but then when they have to go through, and I'm not saying you, but then when they have to go through all those hoops and all those add-ons and everything of what Spirit does, then they get pissed. And what I love is it's like, well, you want cheap air tickets. That's what you have to do to get cheap air tickets. That's why with American, they are like, I don't, Delta's the same. They're more of a premium carrier and maybe you have to pay a little bit more. And sure, they have add-ons as well. But I, I mean, everything is not about what price you get it at too, oh, right? Everything's man. also about what you get. Yeah, no, I, I am not a person who has a problem with add-ons. I will yep. always, if I have to fly coach, I will always get the exit row 
even if they charge me 50 bucks. For right. It. Or if they have like a main, like American Airlines does this new main cabin extra. If it's an extra X to get this extra seat with legroom, maybe, maybe you'll do it. Right. Cause you have the option. Yes, I will. Exactly. And I it, think options are good. Exactly. Cause then it lets you pick what you want and pay for it. And the technology thing has been a big seller for me with Delta because most of the time now I have a USB port and I have yep. outlets and not on all flights. And I didn't realize that American may have been so far ahead of them. But uh, but that is, to me, those convenience factors make a huge difference on a three-hour flight. Absolutely. Yeah, American Airlines actually, if you actually look around like, and you look at awards or things like this, they, they've always won awards for like technology, you know, airline technology of the year because they've always pushed it. In fact, the reason why I started flying American was I'm originally from New York. And when I was working in New York, I had a company that you know, made me fly places. And American Airlines was the airline that they preferred. And I ended up finding out the reason was is for business, they were the best. They always had, you know, the power plugs or things like this. So um, obviously in competition, uh, airlines catch up. And obviously with technology, airlines have to catch up. Delta's obviously done a good job. Um, I've had my issues with Delta. I actually don't, don't find them favorable. But I do think that they probably offer a good product from what I can tell. I, yes. And, and I personally have only flown in my lifetime probably four different airlines so I don't have a great point of comparison. And I think the one time I ever flew American, I did I did seriously enjoy it. And I probably would have switched if I didn't already have some hundred thousand miles with Delta. Totally understood. And you know, I even have this this issue where because I'm loyal with a area that has a nonstop flight and I'll avoid that flight to keep my status on American. <laughs> and it's kind of an insanity I'm trying to break because think about this. So I'm flying with one airline so I can potentially fly more. <laughs> right. I, I thought, I, I mean, I'm really, it's, it's like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an, I'm an addict because you're, you're getting perks, but you're getting perks to fly more, right? Like you're, you're incentivizing yourself to have to do something more loyalty. It's a really vicious cycle. I'm trying to break loyalty can be a, a vicious and, uh, and deranged emotion. Absolutely. So American airlines though, give them, give them definitely a lot of props. As I said, gotten me there safely with quality and with technology. And I definitely love them. Awesome. All right. My last pick is, uh, it's one I've mentioned before, but it hasn't been a pick for over a year. Uh, it's color schemer studio pro. And I, I, there are times that I need a color palette and I have a design background. I, I know what I like, but putting a color palette together can be a painstaking process. And Color Schemer Studio Pro provides tools for creating color palettes that are, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're the best available. There are other apps that do equally as well, but Color Schemer Pro, Studio Pro is where I've, uh, it's the horse I've bet on for years now. And it integrates directly with Color Lovers, C-O-L-O-U-R-L-O-V-E-R-S.com, which is a great place for exploring other people's palettes. And you can search, like you can say, here's my base color, find me palettes that work with this. And professionals in the industry share their palettes at Color Lovers. And you can love palettes, you can create palettes and share palettes. And you can import directly from Color Lovers. You can even browse them directly in Color Schemer Studio. And overall, it makes my life just so much easier. And Sketch, I use Sketch a lot for uh, interface graphics. Yeah. And Sketch can now, with a there's a tool you can find on GitHub that will actually import color level a Color Lovers URL. It will import it as swatches directly into a sketch document, which is just awesome to me. That's great. So that's my pick. So that's your pick. So th I think those are pretty solid picks for all of us, right? For both of us. It, it was an eclectic but solid group, yes. That's good. Uh, so let's see what else. So I think there was something else we were going to talk about. No. I think we're we, good? We, we've hit the end of the show. Now, now is where I tell people where they can find you. Wow, I've gotten off light. This is great. I, I try to go easy on people. I thought you are going to put me on the spot for some Flexibits uh, upcoming stuff. Nah, I won't do that to you. All right, good man, good man. But there is some good stuff coming up, so hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be on the beta list. That, I, I would appreciate that, and, uh, and when t the time comes, I'll be happy to, uh, to blog about the latest and greatest. Why, thank you. Appreciate your support always. You know, any developer or not, this is, I guess, one thing I'd like to share. Any developer or not, it takes everyone. I mean, you could have a good app, but if people don't like it and talk about it, what is it worth, right? Exactly. 
So we do appreciate your help. Thank you. It will just sink to the bottom. Um, you are on Twitter as Mac Guitar. We didn't right. get a chance to talk about guitars, but nah, we didn't. Maybe another there, time. Another time. Is, or now, quickly. <laughs> another time. Another time. Is there a place? Uh, is there a website for you personally that you'd like to uh, to share? Well, I've been working on coming out with a blog, but I just every time I sit down and start, I I, don't, I have a domain, but I'm not going to give it just because it's not up yet, and I don't want to have people going somewhere where there's nothing. But no, the answer is no. I could have just said no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. As, as um, per usual, I have a story, but the answer is no. But I will link. Uh, I will link FlexiBits, and do you want me to link Hockey App too? Yeah, sure. Why not? And let's see. Yeah, I guess that covers it for contact points for you then. And I am Brett Terpstra. I am at brettterpstra.com where I blog all of my craziness, and you can find me as TT Scoff. Just about anywhere you would look and right now i'm trying to find more last fm friends i i don't have a huge group but i i really enjoy them because i learn a lot about music from just watching other people's playlists so if you're on last fm uh look up tt scoff and add me as a friend i don't care what it tells you our musical compatibility is i'm actually <laughs> a very open-minded person nice all right well thanks for being here michael yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time, and uh, I really appreciate being on the show. And thanks for not swearing a ton. Not that you would, but that I just feel like you really respected that rule. I, I actually, being from New York and being, well, you know me pretty well, I think. It, I do. It was actually tough. My brain somehow ahead of saying what my mouth was going to say caught me, and I figured I don't know what your explicit tag is, so I figured I'd ask. I might have been too drunk one night, but I swear you were about to punch me one night. Yeah, you keep saying that. I wouldn't have really punched you. I believe that. I believe that. But I know that in the moment, I I thought, uh oh. So you felt like I was really angry. This this large man with a <laughs> with a Brooklyn accent has it in for me. I'm glad we're friends now. All right, I'm glad we're friends too. And I I, I it takes a lot for me to get pretty mad. So I I, <laughs> I, I highly doubt that story is accurate. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let it go with it. So it sounds like I'm a little tough guy. You know? There you go good for your street cred it's exactly it's good for my street cred all right everybody thanks for listening we'll see you again in a week